Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Just a few days have passed since our last episode, but this is a brand new season of All the Kings Men. So, welcome to it. Rookies are in camp and will be playing games on Friday in San Jose. I uh, had a chance to see most of them on Wednesday. They all looked and sounded great, ready to go. Marco Sturm will be coaching them in San Jose this weekend and will be coaching the Reign all season long. So we wanted to start this new season of All the Kings Men by talking to him about the Reign, about the Kings, about his journey. I know you're going to enjoy it. When that's over, however, stick around. We've got a brand new segment for this brand new season. And we're calling it Make Mikey Say It. Joining us now, head coach of the Ontario Reign, Marco Sturm. How are you doing today, Marco? Good. Thanks for having me. And featuring Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Jesse, doing well. Excited for this one. Uh, Marco, I've got, uh, we always like to ask sort of a, a uh, an icebreaker. I've got a couple for you. I'm going to give you the choice which one goes first. Uh, Hockey-related. Non-hockey related, but real. And then third option is totally not real at all. Uh, Non-hockey. All right. Uh, Mercedes, BMW, Porsche, or Audi? Oh, that's easy for me. I'm my home in Germany. That's the home of BMW. So I stick with the the Beamer. All right. Perfect. (laughs) Follow-up question, not related at all to cars. Uh, Do you believe in aliens? No, really. Okay. Me neither. Good. Me neither. <laughs> three for three. Yeah, all right. And then uh, do you remember who you scored your first goal against? McLean? Jeff Hackett. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get into the rookie face-off coming up. Yeah. Um, this is going to be – it's not even really the rain, so it's not the team that you'll be coaching, but it will be a bunch of guys, presumably, that will be on the rain. So – How do you approach preparation for an event like this where it's not a real team that's going to be together longer than these three games? Yeah. No, it's uh, I've been around in the last few years, obviously, but then I was was never really involved. So it's a little bit of a challenge for me, too. But, uh, you know, I got good coaches who've been around in the last in the past uh, at at all the rookie tournaments. So they. They already gave me a, a little bit of uh, information around, you know, uh, the tournament. Uh, player-wise, you know, the good thing is now uh, I probably know half of them already. You know, they played in the system. They played with, even with us. Um, you know, I got to know them not just as a player, as a person as well. So it's a little bit easier. Um, but I always think it's a... It's a, it's a great start for a season to see those kind of young kids. You you know, those are the kids you you 
you hope they're going to play in NHL one day and us coaches it's going to be our job to to help him and uh, this is just a a first step to being a a pro and also become a man and uh, and I think that's uh, really exciting do you know how much time you'll have with them before the first game I mean the first game's 2 p.m. Friday against Colorado yeah how how much ice time are you going to get with the guys before that game uh not too many uh unfortunately but it's it's only going to be one practice and uh you know as a as, as a coach you always try to squeeze in more but uh uh i didn't win obviously so um <laughs> so we're gonna have one practice try to squeeze in everything uh what he what we want to try to show and and to teach and um but yeah no it's uh it's going to be a, a good practice i think hopefully we're going to get the guys ready to play and uh and be ready for game one looking at this roster you know you have a few guys that you coached with the la kings last year you're quentin byfield you're jordan spences alex turcotte how much are you leaning on those guys we'll call them veterans for the purpose of this tournament to kind of help set the tone for the full group of the tournament they're the young guys but they're also the leaders right um and because like you said they they've been around in nhl and they know what to expect or they should know um and if uh, you know if anyone has questions, they you know if they're afraid to ask the coach, they should ask those kind of players because they they've been around and uh, again they should also help other guys to to be more successful and be more comfortable. I mean, I I remember my my rookie tournament or my first games, and uh, you know you you're so nervous and you, I was really quiet, especially as a European. So I expect those guys to to step up to not just on the ice off the ice too to help those especially those young kids who, who come here for the first time so um but we all gonna help each other but it's it, it's definitely a plus for, for all of us you touched on it a little bit there but in the regular season guys like that are they're looking to the veterans themselves if they're in the nhl is this a good opportunity for younger players to maybe develop as leaders uh, because they are in a position where they're the more experienced guys as opposed to the regular, you know, 82 games when they're very much not the experienced guys? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You can see it. And I, I think it will be really interesting to see uh, a Byfield in, in, in Turka, whatever you name it. They played last year already, and we remember how they played. Um and how do they gonna play this year? How do they prepare for these kind of games now in year two? So it should be a difference, um, but you know those kind of games and tournaments will will help us and also the players as well. In past years, there was attention paid to who the captain of this little. I mean, it's not even a tournament really because you're not. There's no like metal round after the it's like a showcase yeah, yeah. exactly the rookie face-off i believe it's called but there was attention paid to who was going to be the captain because it sort of was a window into the locker room you know who's going to set the tone you're you yourself were a, you know a player for many years in the nhl so you would have a unique perspective on this than maybe a coach that didn't have that kind of career will you watch the players during these three games and during the practices and and see who 
emerges from that group themselves? You know, without being tabbed as a leader, will you have a, a, a better idea of who the leaders are from this group? Yeah, it's it's funny. Did you see my notes today? Because we, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just came out of meetings and we talked about captain and uh, um, the veteran group um, moving forward, not just the rookie camp, but also for for our Ontario Ontario Rain group. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, I I. I got a lot of names. We talked about a lot of players, um, but all the information I have is from management and uh, and coaches. Um, now I I want to create my own picture, um, and it will take time. And um, but those kind of games and practices uh, will help me um, to get, yeah to have my own opinion on it. And uh, I think it's going to be. It's going to be huge. Um, I think uh, in our just rookie camp and our roster, I think we have a lot of good potentials in the future uh, to be a captain one day uh, in the organization. Um, you know, we lost also lost uh, Sutter, uh, who's been probably one of the best leaders in, in the league uh, in the AHL. And uh, so now we just, uh, yeah, no, it will be interesting for me, honestly. Um, but we have a lot of potential and. Uh, We'll see what it turns out. You've played and coached at multiple levels. From your perspective, is it better for players to choose a captain or better for ownership management to, you know, install a captain? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, uh, I used to go back and forth and uh, when I started coaching. Um, now I I lean more towards the coach and management. Um I don't know. I don't know what's right or wrong, but it's just that's how I how I feel. And um, you know, as a as a coach, you always want a captain who's also a guy between a team and a coach. And uh, and if, just say if uh, if the players pick a guy who are not com- un- uh, not comfortable with, that's probably not the right word. But you know, every every player is different. Every everyone maybe there's a player who's been more quiet in a room it's not bad but you know as a as a coach you need someone who's who has a voice in the room so um and i think there's no other other better guy than a coach and maybe management who can can answer that so i i think i lean to more towards the coach yeah have you seen the role of not just captains, alternate captains, but even just leadership groups, veterans. Have you seen that dynamic between those players and the front office and the coaching staff evolve over your time as a as a player and then now as a coach? You know, are, are players more vocal than they used to be? Um. Yes and no. I don't know. I don't, honestly, I don't know the right answer because I I played with all different leaders and. Um, you know, I played with uh, Sedano Jara, uh, Jara that was probably one of the best leaders I played, but he was so quiet. Um, but I played with other guys who's been really good leaders, and they talk nonstop. So <laughs> uh, it's it's an inter- interesting topic, I would say. Uh, uh, but yeah, I know people get, uh, I think, more involved now. Or, I mean, yeah. yeah. Every team is different too. Uh, I think the Kings, we have a quiet, I think, group. Uh, um, 
AHL and NHL. Um, we have the Dowdy, yeah, and it's always good to have because uh, I think having those kind of strong voices, I, I think he can he can get enough. Looking at the rookie faceoff, I remember my first year here, the Kings went 0-3 in the rookie faceoff, and we were talking with Mike Struthers at the time, and he said, you know, the media were asking questions about how bad it was, and he's like, look, we went 0-3, the season isn't over because we went 0-3 in rookie faceoff, and if we went 3-0, and we wouldn't be walking out of here like we just won any kind of trophy because it's a preseason tournament, the wins and losses were what they were. Like, What is the main objective and takeaway from the rookie faceoff? Is it seeing the group come together and win games, or is it seeing maybe individuals use that as an opportunity going into training camp to put their best foot forward as they look to find their place with the Kings or with the Reign? Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Uh, I think every... Not every year, but um, every time is a little bit different. Um I think uh, three years ago, it was kind of like a little bit of a rebuild in the whole organization. A lot of new kids came in. Um, I think it's a, it was a different time than it is right now. Um, if you look at our roster, we have guys been here for, for a little bit. So I personally ex- expect them to be better. And um, if if we go 0-3, it's, for me personally, it's a disappointment. And, and they should be thinking the same way. So I think it would help to win some hockey games and, and win it the right way and also the Kings way. And I think being around some of the guys, uh, being around with in that organization, now having new guys coming in, now we have that luxury, uh, having new guys in, and they should feel it. Uh, and that's what's winning all about. And I had to learn it uh, from different organizations. And... I think the winning mentality slowly has to come here. And we made a huge step last year. Um, not a rookie tournament, but but we uh, we made the playoffs here. It was a huge step, I think. The way we play and also Ontario had an awesome season as well. So having said that, yes, higher expectations. So And that all starts, I think, in, at the rookie camp as well. You mentioned winning the Kings way. Who who decides what the Kings way is? How long has there been a Kings way? I think uh, if you look at when you you can go back all the way. Um, you know when the the Kopitar and and the Brown and these guys Dowdy all came in and and if you look at the way they won cups, you could see it. Right, uh, everyone could see it how they win hockey games. Um, there was a little bit of turnaround here, um, but now it, I feel like it, it, it kind of goes back that way. Uh, hard to play against. Uh, we just play a very defensive game with good goaltending, um, and that's in these groups and uh, this group of players and, and individual. They believe in that, and and it's good to have, still have. I know we lost a, a few veterans, but it's so good, and they probably don't even know the young guys. That it's so good to have a Colpitar and a Quick and all those guys still in the lineup because they've been through it, through it, and they know exactly what it takes. And and these guys get it. I, I've been in the locker room, so they get it. What it takes, um, the new 
the new version now, the new leaders, you know, with uh, or the below, the the Roy, the Moore, and all those kind of guys. So it's kind of nice to see, uh, but it's definitely, um, you know, the defensive side of it and the heart and uh, the fight for every inch and and, and and stuff like that. That's I, I see it as a the king's way. If you look at the level of talent of these younger guys coming in, I think you touched on it earlier, it's risen from where it was maybe three, four years ago, right? Yeah. So how do you teach these younger skilled players to play the Kings way while also not taking away what makes them special, like their offensive gifts and, and things yeah. like that? No, and that's uh, the challenge, right? That's the challenge, especially for us coaches. Um, and you got to be patient. And I've seen it. It's uh, it's not it's not going to happen overnight. It, every player is different. It might uh, happen in years. Yeah, who knows? Everyone, like I said, everyone is different. But I think since Todd is here and 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 and, and now adding every year good pieces, I think it really shows every year more and more and more. So uh, I really like how Rob Blake and his team. Um, you know, put the the team together uh, with adding pieces, being patient, and let us develop young kids as well. And and I think on top of it, it's the system we play as well on the ice. I think it just all connects, right? It all fits, and that's what I like about you. So I asked fans, uh, or gave fans an opportunity to submit some questions, and this feels like an opportunity to start weaving some of them in. So you mentioned that sometimes it takes a while for a player to put it all together to develop. Adrian Kempe is one of those players, right? He just had a phenomenal season, 35 goals. Uh, the question one of the fans wanted to know was, did the coaching staff give him any specific instructions last summer, you know, anything to work on in his game that would maybe help him take that leap into becoming that player that he became? Yeah. I, I think uh, not too much in the off season from coaches. Um, I think getting older, I think Adrian always worked hard. Don't get me wrong, but I think he worked harder uh, in the off season. He came back every year. Seems like he came back bigger and faster, and he's stronger. And uh, and then I think with us, I think we sometimes we had to give him. Or Todd had to give him a little bit of tough love, um, but maybe that's what he needed. Um, there was times he he got the love, uh, maybe that's what he needed. So we had to figure him out as well, and uh, and then all of a sudden he felt really comfortable. And uh, and you know, when a player feels comfortable, he can do a lot of good things. And uh, so there's a is a best example. Adrian Campe, that's a great name because his name now comes always up <laughs> to be patient and because we have a few kids in our organizations who might need a little bit longer and Campe was one of them too. So and look at him now. He's one of our top players. So I'm 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 really glad it worked out. Uh, because he is a, a good person and and a, and a good hockey player. Looking at, you know, you, you can touch a little maybe more closely on, say, Kempe, because, you know, you worked with the forwards uh, a little bit more with the Kings. As you transition from your role last year and the last few years to what it's going to be, how different is it to have more of an overarching view of a team, have being responsible from every area of the team as opposed to, say, a position group or one part of special teams or et cetera? 
Um, so like as a head coach, you oversee everything, right? Yeah. And whereas, you know, as an assistant, you kind of had your hands more specialized oh, in I, one area or another area. You know, how, how different is that to kind of have oversight of everything? Um, yeah, it could be a little challenging, but also the good thing is I know exactly what Todd wants uh, from players, from the team, and also from us assistant coaches. And we try to just fill the uh, fill those holes um, with individuals, and, uh, and that's what we tried to do with uh, Adrian Campy too. And we knew everything. He has everything. He had all the tools, but now we have to guide him in in the right track here. And um, and again, I, I can't say it enough is every player is a little different. Mm-hmm. So there's a few different challenges you have with each guy. Um, as a coach, you just have to find the right thing. And uh, But you, you will see it if you're around with the players and also with my boss, Todd. You know exactly what's going on. And, uh, and as an assistant, that's... You want to attack that and mm-hmm. just want to... end of the day, you want to help the player. Because if you help the player, you're going to help the team. And then then you're going to help the... Everyone is happy in the organization too. So. You have head coaching experience, but in a very different setting than what you're about to take on. Have you changed your approach at all based on your experience now as the assistant coach in L.A.? Yeah, I mean... Uh, like you said, it's it was totally different. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm doing this now and I took that job and the opportunity is to be a head coach on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, with the national team, we only got together maybe five, six times a year. Um, um, what well, was good, but now I can see that every day um, what actually uh, I can see what the head coach had to deal with, you know, uh, uh, day in and day out so um so it was good it was for me it was the perfect way i think and having a, a um a head coach like Todd and with all the assistants with so many so much experience um i could see it every day i could learn every day and and that's why too i felt like right now it was just the perfect timing uh to to get for me personally to get to the next step and um and I'm very excited. What led you to LA in the first place? You know, when when you, the opportunity came up to take an assistant coaching job in the yeah. NHL, was it was it something about the market, the team, the franchise? Was it an opportunity? Yeah, no. Uh, for me personally, I think uh, Olympics changed a lot of things. Right, all of a sudden, I was uh, my name came up, and that came even for me. Uh, yes, my goal was maybe. To, uh, to be a coach one day. Maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, back then. Uh, to to be uh, to be a coach in, a, in NHL. And, uh, but I also know because I, I, I've been around here s- such a long time, I know it's so hard to get into. So um, all of a sudden, we won the, the silver medal. Uh, all of a sudden, more teams were calling. Um, and... Um, yeah, I, I played here before. I know it was only for a short time, but I love California. Uh, you know, I kind of grew up in San Jose and, and had a, a short time here. So I, I don't know. There's something about California here, and I always I was hoping to get back and 
when uh, Glenn Murray and Rob Blake called me um, and uh, made me an offer to come back, there was no hesitation. I that was a dream come through, and I'm very happy and excited that it was the Kings um, because I knew a lot of players, I knew a lot of people in in, in here, and uh, and that was one of the best too, and it's still one of the best. Uh, group of people who work here in this locker room and um, and I couldn't end up better in a, in a better position. You were brought in uh, during a difficult season and uh, you know Todd McClellan was brought in at the end of that season. What was it like adjusting to a new coaching staff and, and to be the sort of lone holdover from that rough season? Yeah, it was hard. It was, I'm like, I think I had one one point I was like, is this the NHL? I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, like it was tough. It was really tough. It was just, seems like everyone was happy, um, unhappy, sorry. Um, and, you know, coming in there and seeing that as a totally newcomer, you know, it's it was not easy. So, but for me, I, you know, being in NHL, being in LA, it was so exciting. So it kind of, pushed everything aside but um but it was not easy um and uh but quickly we changed a lot of things and uh i think again bringing todd in and, and his staff um i think that really helped a lot and in, in adding some players some pieces so um and since then i i yeah i can't get enough out of it because I, I I have a picture in front of me and it's not done yet and I, but I've seen it going the right direction and hopefully it will end up that way. When you were a young player coming up, uh, did you have a European coach ever on mm. in San Jose to kind of lean on? Never. Was do you think it was helpful for some of these younger players coming up to have someone on staff who yeah. maybe could emphasize a little bit what they were going through because you went through it. Yeah, maybe, and uh, and hopefully they take advantage too because I never had it. A lot of play- players, and it was a different time, but you know um, we have European players. They're you know might be shy, might be more quiet, but they can always come up to me and because I've been through it and uh, I know exactly how they feel. Uh, not just playing here yes um but the language the, the culture everything is different right um so uh, yeah it would have been nice for me to have uh even players back then we didn't ever really had uh, too many germans yes we had europeans but um we always like to have someone who's close by to them so Let's talk about your coaching philosophy, and this is going to be another opportunity to bring up some fan questions. Um, I was reading, uh, going back over some of the interviews you gave around the time that it was announced, and you talked about how much you love to win and hate to lose. And that, as the head coach of an AHL team, that puts you in a more complicated position than if you were necessarily a head coach of an NHL team or or an international team because it's a development league. So the question naturally is, how do you balance winning with developing these prospects? The Kings have a number of young players, but for every Alex Turcott, there's a TJ Tynan. So who's going to get, you know, who gets the priority? The guy that's the two-time <laughs> AHL MVP or the guy that yeah, you want to see someday yeah. become yeah, you could, know, an, an NHL player? It could get tricky a little bit, but uh, 
no, um, end of the day, I think uh, I want to see um, the player to get better. And uh, if I don't see that, and if and if you don't win games on top of it, then it's then we got an issue, right? Um, but long as I see improvement, I see the effort, the willingness, the fun, uh, the work um, they bring in every day. Um, I'm happy to. So I got to see the, the progress of the, you know, the whole team of of, uh, of, of players. Um, but yes, I, I do want to win games as well. So it's not it's not fun, and 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 uh, we want to have fun. But fun comes always with hard work and success. So so yeah, so that's going to be the beauty, right? That's going to be the the challenge uh, I have, we have every year will never change uh, we try to develop these guys but also win some hockey games and and again also show the fans in Ontario that we want to play the Kings way as well so they don't have to drive all the way to <laughs> crypto to see that they can actually go to Ontario to see the young bucks play the same way it's a million dollar question if there's a perfect answer to the development winning balance in the AHL I don't yeah. know I don't know if it exists yeah. but it's a million dollar question for yeah. an AHL coach yeah yeah. Is um, do you feel that learning how to win is a skill that you can learn in the AHL too? There's something to it, yeah. yeah. Um, again, I, I I have to go back to what my national team. We were we were a losing team because um, we always were afraid, and we always thought uh, the other teams, the other countries, are better. And I lost it a few times on them, and. They were in shock, um, not because of me. It's just like they didn't believe, and I felt it. And 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 we turned it around, and that showed me, yes, you can teach it. And they just got to believe. And, and, you know, everything between your ears, there's a lot going on, and uh, and I think there's something about it. And, uh, and, again, that's just how you approach the game. That's how you get prepared every day coming in to the ring uh, in the morning uh, I think there's something to it and you know after Kobe Bryant passed away I was reading a lot about him and uh, I mean he did it perfectly right and now I understand because when I played here I don't know if too many teammates liked him to be honest with you I was in a we were in a here yeah in the same same building and I could tell a lot of teammates didn't really he was not the biggest fan he was best player but but at the end of the day he's he wanted to be the best and he just wanted to be the end to win too so you still have to be a good teammate but i think there's something to it yeah for sure we can teach i want to talk about the concept of learning how to win that's actually brought up i'm gonna talk about how i learned how to ride a bike you guys tell me if you had similar experiences <laughs> so i had one of my parents right physically hold the bike next to me right run alongside i never had training wheels for some stupid reason but they would be next to me holding the bike and then they'd let go and i'd fall but there was always you know i don't know 50 yards well maybe not 50 yards but there's a moment where the parent was hold like physically holding the bike and i wasn't doing any balancing i was just a passenger is Teaching a young player how to win somewhat simple. Like, do you have a TJ Tyne in there holding the bike so that 
Alex Turcotte. I mean, not that Alex Turcotte needs to learn how to win, <laughs> yeah. guy. But but you know, your Andre Lees or your Sammy Fagamos or you know, guys that didn't have the draft profile or the international experience that someone like Turcotte, because presumably you need everybody in the organization to learn how to win, right? Yeah. Not just one yeah. or two guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's funny you say it because if you if you be around a season just with just in the Kings locker room only, you could tell right away who. Who gets it and who still needs to learn, and it, it's amazing. But it also helps to add. That's why I said it earlier. Um, Blake in the, in the management did a great job bringing the right guys in too. So that's how we did it in San Jose. We took off. That's how we did it in Boston. Uh, they won the cup. That's how probably LA did it, and I, I can see it. That's why I can see it here too with adding. Just a guy like Arvids and Deno, and the way they and they want to win, and they want to win. They they don't care about tomorrow. They want to win today, and uh, so it's all. It's I think it's huge to having those guys around too. Um, Since you brought up Deno and Arvidsson, we did had a fan <laughs> question, and this seems like the perfect yeah. time to crowbar yeah. it. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, Trevor Moore was placed with Dano and Arvidsson around Christmas, basically, and that line absolutely took off. One, as a fan, you know, you see it online, you see it on all the time. Fans love to make fantasy lineups, and you know, this guy <laughs> should play with that guy, and this guy should play with that guy. Was there anything from the coaching staff? Was there any suggestion that that line would work when you put it together, or was it just a happy found accident that you put these three guys together and they took off? The coaches would like. The credit right sure so <laughs> it was it was all planned yeah. so uh but anyway no it's uh sometimes just we had a feel and you know sometimes just things happen because of we didn't like someone maybe in a different line or someone got hurt or stuff like that and you know all of a sudden those kind of chemistries comes out uh, but we always had a good feeling with these guys they're everyone a little different that always helps um they were new too, so it was a, just a different energy those three guys had, um, uh, what they put on on the ice. And uh, yeah, I, you know, everyone saw it. We saw it on a daily basis. And I wish all the fans, the Kings fans, could experience that too because they were fun to watch. Um, not just on the ice, even off the ice, they talk about hockey. And they come in and they know everything about trades or what's going on in other teams uh, you just could tell they're just hockey nerds and <laughs> and like I said they, they want to win, they want to be better they want to be the difference and that's exactly where, where they were at I'm going to com- go completely in another direction Uh-oh. and just <laughs> ask what was your favorite moment minus the medal from being a part of Olympics um, either as a player or as a coach, like, what was the coolest part of that tournament? Um, as a player, yeah, I, I always liked the logo. I mean, uh, you see it as a kid and on TV, it's like, wow, Olympics, whatever. Oh, the Olympic logo? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the German hockey. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Which is pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Actually, like yeah. the German hockey. That too. Yeah. <laughs> but for, uh, for some reason, every time I touched the ice for the first time, it doesn't matter where I was in uh, Salt Lake or Vancouver or or uh, you name it, Nagano, 
always my biggest memories are yes of course playing the game but just stepping on that fresh ice with that logo on uh, with the five rings I thought it's the coolest thing ever because that's something as a kid you know you watch so closely uh, every time um, summer or winter it doesn't matter but and now you're part of it and you actually can feel it you can touch it you can see it uh, it's for me that it's just amazing yeah when you were a kid growing up in germany was the dream to play in the nhl was the dream to play for team germany or something else like how what was kind of what, what did you dream of when you were yeah. playing in your drive i think my first dream was uh to be uh or to play in a german league okay yeah and then when i turned or when i was 12 or something 12 13 all of a sudden because i was i knew i was better i have a good chance to maybe play in a national team so that was my next step and then quickly after that uh, the nhl came in because of you know the tournaments you have a lot of scouts were around uh, a lot of a lot of phone calls questions uh, uh, stuff like that uh, so it turned really quickly yeah how much better were you because like every <laughs> like the, the joke right is that every kid in every right you know any sport NFL NBA yeah. MLB the the guys that are on that team were the best guys at their college at their juniors at their right down to the neighborhood but like did you have any seasons where you were putting up like two hundred points in fifteen <laughs> games against a bunch of you know neighborhood kids yeah, or anything like that probably, yeah. probably. <laughs> you know probably. but that's coming from Germany too so you know our league and players were not as uh, good and. As over here, so I had a little bit more freedom, I would say, uh, playing my game. But yes, I, I had a gift, and I was born with that gift, and that's what I'm trying to help sometimes <laughs> parents. You know, parents, it's I know they put a lot of money in there, and, and they try, and they dream, and it's all good. Um, and you can work on it and everything and whatever. But I was born with it. And, you know, and that's why at the end of the day, only 770 players, I think, end up in the NHL. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to get in. And you have, almost have to have the total package. And, uh, and I was lucky. I bumped into you in our kitchen here at the office. And I asked you if I could ask you about the power play of the Kings last year. Before we do that, yeah. I want to ask one more safe question. <laughs> um, <laughs> What does a successful season look like for Marco Sturm in the 2022-23 season? Um, and, you, and you can't say a Calder Cup trophy. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, so for next season? Yeah. Mean, oh, okay, for next season. No, that would be pretty it successful. It would be great. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, the, okay. that's what everybody, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. good to say. But, you know, as a, as a coach, you want to have a winning record. I think we want to have, uh, you always, I want to have a, I want to make the playoff, basically. And I, I think with the group we have, um, there, is a, uh, there is a way I think we should, we should, you know, make the playoffs with that kind of players. I mean, a lot of stuff could happen with injuries and stuff like that, but I think we're good enough. And um, because I really think as soon as you make the playoffs, you, you will get better as a as an individual, as a person as well. Help me, and that's why I'm trying to push here um, so they can learn and they can make the next step to hopefully make the NHL. And 
but yeah, long as I've seen progress and, and, and willingness to get better and we are going to get better as a team, I think uh, you will see a happy, happy coach. And let's talk power play. Um, you played, as we said, I think just shy of a thousand games. So you spent your fair share of time on the power play yourself. We're going to start theoretically first. Um, like we talked to Sean, was it Sean Dersey last year? I think who said that the number one thing that would lead to a successful power play is all five guys need to understand that you have to work just as hard, if not harder than the penalty killer, right? He said that from his perspective, there is a tendency because you have the man advantage, not that you're deliberately taking your foot off the gas, but that you're like, okay, we can slow it down. We can take a break. And it, but of course, when you're penalty killing, you're working that much harder because you're a man down. And so he said, you know, as a, pen, a power play player, you have to remind yourself to bring that extra work ethic. Does that yeah. sound about right? Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, so let me ask you, yeah. did it feel the same way uh, with the Kings? Uh, I think it's fair to say uh, that nobody here at this table, full disclosure, nobody wants to be <laughs> out, you know, uh, too harsh. Um but if the Kings had a weak spot last season, I think it's fair to say that it was special teams play. Yeah. Um, so then I guess my second question is, as a player and now as having been a coach, is it as cut and dried as it seems from a fan's perspective? We're told that there's a head coach who sees everything. Then there's one assistant coach who does the offense, one assistant coach who does the defense. We heard loads from Tom McClellan last year about Trent Yanni and how he sets the yeah. pairs and he yeah. knows it. Is it that clear cut on the offensive side like is there one coach who just does the power play or does Trent Yanni have input yeah. on the power play as well does Todd have input I mean every you know I, I think every coach is a little bit different mm-hmm. um, what I can to tell you uh, with us in the past and just how Todd is operating is uh, we're all together and we all have our input we all um, um, talk about it uh, doesn't matter if it's PK or PP. Um, I'm the guy who who probably does all the work and puts everything together and does all the meetings and stuff like that. But um, by the end of the day, it's 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 going to be all of us um, who's going to talk about it, and, and 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 obviously the head coach will decide uh, who's gonna who's going to be on it as well. So we all have our own opinion. Um, we in at the Kings, we, yeah, we we did it pretty much always together. Uh, it doesn't matter PK or PP. Uh, yes, of course, I was spend way more time with the forwards and PP. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but Todd was really good, and I think uh, um, I, I think the same way. And it will be same thing in Ontario. Um, if the power play is not right, uh, that's not going to be Brad Schuler's fault. Um, it's going to be all of us and um, starting with me. So um, that's what I learned from Todd. I think it's, it's the good way. Um, but yes, I, I agree. Um, it was probably our, our uh, weakness. Um, PK, we had a tough start, uh, tough stretches with a lot of goals against, and we just couldn't catch up, and we got better. Um, and PP, we just were inconsistent. Um, but it's been... You know, it's been not just uh, last season. It's been 
since I know the Kings, it's always been an issue. Uh, it comes up now, yes, because now it's getting to that point. Now we, because we need the power play to win hockey games to get more points uh, because we're, we're good enough. And, and now we can see to win more and more games. There is more points up for grabs what we need. So uh, we definitely need our special teams to be better, absolutely. Um, we we talked about it during the summer, uh, like every summer, and we try to do something different. And uh, yeah, and we know we know it too. So it's not that, but uh, I think it really helps now too, adding more and more good pieces on the team uh, who has power play success. And I think it helps the team as well. So having Fiala now, uh, hopefully, hopefully we the Kings will be better uh, in the future as well. How much of a, and this is more of a broad question about power play, how much of a power play's success has to do with strategy and how much of it has to do with deployment, like the actual guys on yeah. the ice? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a combination, and uh, I think the guys knew they, 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 they do need a plan. Uh, they need structure, so everyone knows what everyone is doing. Um but I think the mindset that's that's huge too. You need the players for it, absolutely. Uh, but also, sometimes and now we go the Kings way a little bit. Um, they do have a different mindset. They they just focus on different things and they know how to win games. Um, and they're okay with two one games uh, or one nothing games. They're okay to win it. Uh, sometimes I feel like we didn't need to power play uh, because we find a different way. It's not an excuse. I think we still need to be better, but that's just, it's been going on here for, and that's the culture for, for a while. So it's tough to change. You know, change is always tough, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I, again, I agree. We need, we need a better power play, and, and I'm very confident, and, and I know for sure with the play, players we have right now, we will be better. And this one is just my own personal thing that I'm always curious about. Uh, and Zach will probably roll his eyes when I ask. Uh, <laughs> some players play their off wing. Some players don't. Some players come into like let's just take Arthur Kalia for example. He's a right winger. He shoots left. Carl Grundstrom, same thing. Came in as a right winger, shoots left. But more often than not, we saw Carl Grundstrom on the left, and we saw Arthur Kaliev on the right. Is there any? rhyme or reason as to why some players stay on their off wing and other players switch to their strong wing yeah because they they feel more comfortable and they're better at it i you know kaliev was an interesting one because this kid has probably one of the best shots maybe even in the league and the hardest shot um but for some reason he ended up more on his off 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 side right off wing to go down on the flank and, and shoot from there. And that's how he scored pretty much all his power play goals and not from the other side. But it doesn't make sense because right. he has the best shot and one of the best one-timers in probably in the league, but he scores his goals on the other side. So uh, automatically he feels more comfortable because he knows he can score more goals from that side. So, so yeah, um, and we see that. We saw that as a coach. Uh, coaching staff and uh and yeah we you know the the hands didn't match really because we didn't maybe have the players for it in the past uh lefty righty i think it was a lot of mix a lot of 
yeah, tryouts. And but now, I think now we're getting there, and it started then a lot, you know, a little bit in the past. But moving forward, I think we're much better prepared and and set up uh, as a unit. This is again just a personal curiosity of mine. Um, I can't remember when teams started using four forwards on the power play more than, but when I grew up as a fan, I was used to three forwards, two defensemen, and you know when I was playing my video game, right, you yeah. put. Two defensemen on the back, you know, your right shot on the left. You used to not even let right. you in the video game move a forward. To the <laughs> right. Yeah, you yeah. had to pick 2D exactly. on a PP. Exactly. Do you, you know, you played yeah. back when it, not that it was that long ago, but but the change is very recent. Do you have a, pre- like, if you were, you know, the czar of hockey across the world, would you go back to three forwards, two defensemen on the power play? Do you uh, like the four forward, two, one? Not so much. Setup? No? Uh, maybe in the second unit, yeah, I can mm. see it more, but first unit, no. And I give you the reason why. You know, as a coach or assistant coach, you always, in the summer, you always try to look at the tape and, and, and you want to like, how do we get better and what's wrong and blah, blah, blah. Uh, one year, it's years ago, I did that, that one thing and, and, and uh, about uh, pretty much like you said with one or two D, uh, but if I look at back in, I don't know how many years I looked at it. Uh, the best power play or the top five or top five or ten in the league in the past, all of them had four forwards. So uh, I think it's nothing against the D or something. <laughs> um, if you want to have a successful power play, I think. I think you have to have four forwards. I, I really think um, the most skills guys usually are on that number one unit anyway. So that's usually, you know, a, a D in, in, in forwards. Um, that's just the way it is. But but the stats and the history showed me that this is the best way to go and. Um, that might be a year or, or a team who tried it, and that's that's okay, or in the second unit. But in the long run, I think you almost have to go full forwards. And some, you know, you, you saw it last year. Some teams went with five forwards all of a sudden. So it will be interesting how maybe you can interview me or do a there podcast in, <laughs> in, in, in 10 years, and then yeah. we'll see where we, <laughs> see where we are. Yeah. Been. 10 years from now, teams are going to be pulling their goalie and That's going right. six yeah. forwards. Yeah, yeah you never know. You know. Uh, our very own Jack Jablonski DM'd me, uh, apparently, Sergey Fedorov's yeah. first game as coach in the KHL. He pulled his goalie in overtime. He's been doing it for a couple of years, actually. Yeah, and I guess yeah. they won. So yeah. <laughs> good for, good did for them. Yeah. did it yeah. last year, and they... They just kept winning because they get the four on three in OT. There but you go. as I learned, because I asked Todd McClellan about this last year, mm-hmm. in the KHL, if you pull your goalie in OT and lose, you don't lose your point. Ah, well, there you in go. In the NHL, yeah. you lose your point if yeah. you do that. It's yeah. not a gamble if you don't lose your point. Yeah, yeah it's just strategy. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> uh, Margo, last question before we let yeah. you go. We appreciate your time. Uh, is there a player that you have coached at any level on any team that most reminded you of you as a player? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, whew, that's a good. That's a really I, good. And I'll I'll expand. It doesn't even have to be playing style, personality, locker oh, room okay. presence, anything like that. Like that, in a Kings organization. Yeah, sure. Let's put that. Um, I think a little bit like Philip Denol. Um, Phil doesn't have my speed. Let's put it that <laughs> way. You know, but. 
just the way he thinks the game. Um, probably more on the defensive side of it, but also could score goals. And, um, you know, even off the ice, I think he's he's more the quiet guy. I was, I was the same way, uh, very polite and uh, love to be around. And I don't know, he kind of reminded me of me a little bit too. Um, just the way he plays and works and, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, maybe that's why I like him so much. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kings fans like him. We hope that uh, we'll like what happens in Ontario this year. Thank you very much yeah, for your time. Thank and, you. Uh, thank we'll you talk guys. to you when you get back from San Jose. For sure. Thank you. Huge thanks to Marco Stern for sitting down with us to kick off the new season of All the Kings Men. And now, what I promised at the start of the episode, it's time for Make Mikey Say It. Anybody who's attended a Kings game in the past few seasons should know the in-arena host, Mikey Alexander. He's a man whose charm dial is permanently stuck at 11 with enough energy to light up Crypto.com Arena by himself. But we put a challenge to him this year. We want to find a sentence so boring, so dull, that even he can't make it sound exciting. I asked the question on Twitter, what's the most boring sentence you can think of? So to kick off the new season, we had Mikey read one of them for our brand new segment, Make Mikey Say It. Do it. Hey, Kings fans. Defendant respectfully requests the court enter an order adjourning all scheduling order dates. Overskated into neutral ice. Kempe with a step into the zone. Kempe to the net. Yeah! 